Our next guest in the Honky Tonk Time Machine is a member of the Grand Ole Opry, has sold over 7 million albums, and has six number one hits. The 1994 CMA Female Vocalist of the Year is with us, Pam. Tell us, Pam, thanks for coming on. Hey there, how are you? I am doing fantastic, <laughs> and I gotta say, Pam, it's about time we get a woman on the show. It's been two months of doing the show, and you're our first woman, so thank you. <laughs> oh, you've been dude heavy. <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> No, it's so cool to have you. I know uh, you've been hard at work here lately putting out a new album, and it's actually um, coming out on April the 24th. So this weekend it'll be out. Tell me about the new project. Well, it's very much uh, been a long time coming, and I started the record um, almost three years ago, you know, gathering all the songs and everything, and I, I, I got half of it recorded and then had one of those big life events that makes everything grind to a halt. Uh, we've, uh, Dad passed. Um, away, as you know. And uh, so I just took some time off before I uh, went back in the studio and, and finished it up. And, and um, just some songs that I had in my back pocket for a while and I felt good about. And I knew that, it, you know, it was time. And, and it had been quite a while since I'd done my uh, done a solo project. I'd done a couple of albums in the... Uh, my last solo project was a record called Rhinestoned. And and in the interim, uh, I did a couple of albums with my friend Lori Morgan because we, we'd been touring a lot together and we thought that would be a nice thing to give the fans. And we had so much fun doing the first one that we did. Uh, we did a second one. And so uh, time kind of just slipped away and, uh, until I, you know, got back to the drawing board for a project of my own. Yeah, it had been like over 10 years since you put an album out. This album, by the way, is called Looking for a Feeling. And what would you say is the best way to describe it then? Well, it's a little bit eclectic. There, There's a lot of different moods. Um, you know, if one song isn't your favorite, hang on. It's like the weather. It's going to change. <laughs> so there's a lot of... Uh, but, but I do stay kind of in a, a rootsy kind of a vibe. Um, there's some... There's some old school country, but there's some stuff that's a little bit more on the rocking side. And uh, there's uh, the single is kind of a Bobby Gentry-ish, uh, Dusty Springfield kind of sounding thing. It's kind of slinky and soulful. So a lot of different flavors. And then uh, one of the ways that I guess uh, if you were to sit down and listen to the album top to bottom, I think I, I I was uh, really thinking about how much uh, the music of the 70s shaped me as an artist because uh, that was my musical formative years. And there's a lot of different flavors. Uh, you can hear a little Neil Young, a little Almond Brothers, a little Joni Mitchell. Uh, there's a lot of different influences kind of woven through the records. So uh, put on your bell bottoms and uh, let it let it roll. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> and you mentioned the single too. That is the title track, right? Looking for a feeling. Yeah, that's the lead off single, and it's it's a real different sound for me. But um, uh, so far, it's been well received. Now you have been a trailblazer for the industry. In fact, I, I think all the prominent country women of the '90s, in one way or another, have blazed a trail. So many women can look back at, at what you ladies have done, right? But you specifically, Pam, were actually one of the first women in Nashville in the 90s to produce your own album. What was that like? Because that wasn't something that was common, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, 
actually the the lady that I know before me um was a uh, uh, Gail Davies who had you know some big hits in the in the early 80s and um great artist somebody that I looked up to as a young girl you know it's just um it's it's a huge responsibility it's very difficult because uh remember the remember the cartoon with the with the the little Mexican mouse that would play paint, uh, Spitty Gonzalez, yeah. you know, and he would play both sides of the net. <laughs> that's what it's. <laughs> that's what producing your own record is like. It's like you're playing ping pong and you're on both sides of the net. But I had a great engineer that I trusted his opinion too. If I if I ever couldn't make a, a creative decision, he he was a, a guy named Mike Poole. Anyway, it was just a lot of fun and a lot of hard work and a lot of I must be crazy, but uh, that that album wielded a a couple of uh, good uh, hits that kept you know kept me going and and one of uh, a record that I a single off of that album was River and the Highway, and um, not only did I get to produce that album, but uh, when I started to make the record, I knew I wanted strings on um, on River and the Highway. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, first of all, I'm asking them for the budget to make this record. Second of all, I've got to go back to the head of the record company and say I want an entire string section for this for this single. And uh, he didn't laugh at me. He he let me he, he gave me the money. So that turned out pretty good. That's awesome. So I think that was that was like 96 or so. Right. Because the album was all of this love, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, so that would have been around 96, and uh, It's Lonely Out There was, was off of that album as well. So, I mean, it was a milestone. And, I mean, I, I look at that as a, as a really good time for the women of country music because there were so many female stars from that time. It was an amazing time. And not only – and River and the Highway is a perfect case in point. That's a very different song, and, and it, it actually took – months and months and months to get up the chart and it was so different we kept thinking you know we kept thinking well we'll lose it inside the top 40 or and then it was like oh well we'll lose it inside the top 20 you know what i mean they'll go, you'll stop getting your spins and it just kept going it went slow but it kept going but the point is is that was such an adventurous time in music that i feel like we we really you know, songs like Me Vita Loca, that was a different sound. Mm-hmm. And even Sugar Tree was kind of acoustic, uh, bluegrassy. And, and uh, you know, the, the depth of the songs that, like, Trish Yearwood was having Buster St. Cloud and Mary Chapin had some really in-depth songs. People were able to get away with a lot, I think, that sometimes I feel like the it's not that the, the songs aren't well-written or they're not well-produced or they're... There's not great talent, but uh, every now and then I'll, I'll think we're just kind of playing around a little bit uh, in the shallow part of the pool. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. I absolutely agree. And you aren't the first person to say that either. And and that's the thing about uh, you ladies in the 90s was that the envelope was pushed, whether it was you or, or Martina McBride and some of the songs that she was singing. I know you wrote for Martina as well and, and for several other acts. So uh, you pushed that envelope and, and allowed other artists to, to come after you to kind of do the same. So that's where that trailblazer well, comes in. We, it, 
but you you can push it all you want if you don't get airplay. <laughs> yeah. But right, you know, radio met, met met us halfway, and that was really, really, really cool. Um, and the pendulum always swings, and, and and it'll that'll all play out. And and all artists, I don't know any artist that set out to to say, hey, I'm just gonna record a bunch of ditties and music that people will forget. I don't really know any artists like that, <laughs> but it can be hard to get that part of your um, music out to the public. Anyway, so it's an interesting thing. That's kind of uh, letting your listeners hear some of the thinking that goes in, you know, behind the scenes and, and into making the records. And uh, it's a lifelong quest to make something that, you know, stands the test of time. Uh, between you and your dad, I don't think yeah you have a problem with that. Both are still being played to this day on country radio. So another thing that made you stand out, though, Pam, was your songwriting. You wrote for Martina, like we said, Conway Twitty, Juice Newton, Highway 101. Hell, Shaka Khan even recorded some of your stuff. So was that something that you were pretty proud of, your, your songwriting capability as you were coming up? Yeah, you know, at a certain point, I kind of reached a crossroads where I got a lot busier as a performer and mm-hmm. not as much as a songwriter. And so I, I, uh, I hold, you know, remember that song down on 16th Avenue, that Lacey J. Dalton song? Oh, yeah. It's a good song. You know, I grew up here in Nashville, and, and I just have this reverence for people that that's what they do. They're songwriters. Mm-hmm. They don't go out. They don't tour. They don't have a bus. You don't. You might not know who they are. You'll never see their face, but they are the. They're really the songwriters. In a lot of ways, made country music what it is today. In fact, we had a slogan. Forever and ever called it all starts with a song. You know, without a without a great song, you, you're going nowhere fast. 